Well, hello once again. This is Arctic Eric, and you're joining me here at the kitchen table for Fika with Arctic Eric. I've said before, and I'll say again, how much I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you at the kitchen table. I know that uh, you, like most of us, have a filled schedule, so your taking time out to be here with me is certainly appreciated. I was visiting a home not so long ago at their kitchen table, and a rhetorical question came with a bit of frustration in the speaker's voice. What is the gospel anyway? Well, of course, that immediately put answers in my mind, but because it was a rhetorical question, I uh, decided not to say so much. But I have been pondering that question since it was asked, and, and when the question came forth, the rhetorical question that is, I immediately thought of the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I am going to be reading here from uh, a combination I made of several different translations to kind of open up some of the meaning of what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-11. Now, brothers and sisters, let me remind you once again, since it seems to have escaped you, let me remind you, brethren, of the gospel of salvation, the good news, the glad tidings of salvation, which I proclaimed to you, which I preached to you, which you welcomed and accepted and believed, and upon which your faith rests, on which you stand by faith. I find this very interesting. Paul, of course, is writing to believers in Corinth. And uh, as we've read other places where, for example, Luke reminds us in the book of Acts, have you forgotten that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? It seems to me that Paul understood that there was a lack of clarity or understanding or that they needed to be reminded. Possibly they had forgotten the gospel. What is this good news? And I wonder how many of us here at the kitchen table, if someone were to ask, what's the good news? What's the gospel? What would we say? And that's one of the things that motivates me to meet here with you at the kitchen table today and to look at this. What is the gospel according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 11? Now, we can see that Paul spoke it, he preached it, he proclaimed it, which means that people heard it. We know that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God, the words of Christ. And when it was heard, it was welcomed, it was accepted, people believed it. And then, as Christians, born-again Christians, one's faith can rest upon that. What is that? what Scripture declares salvation is and how one attains salvation through trusting Jesus Christ alone. And then we enter into a relationship with God in which we're standing, remaining, secure by faith. Well, what do I mean? Well, let's look at Romans chapter 5, 
verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we're justified, what does that mean? Acquitted of sin, declared blameless and righteous, and giving a right standing with God by and through faith. So what does faith in Jesus Christ accomplish? Well, a restored relationship, a right relationship with God. Sins forgiven. He goes on to say, let us grasp, let us get a hold of the truth, the reality, the fact that we now have peace with God. The peace of reconciliation to hold on to and enjoy. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one, verse 2. For through him, Jesus, we also have our access, our entrance, our introduction by faith into this remarkable state of grace. What is that? The state of God's favor in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. That's right. When we believe we're justified, and we enter a new dimension of God's grace, it's a grace that allows us to stand secure. He goes on to say, let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestation of his excellence and power. Isn't God's word amazing? to be reminded of the good news, these glad tidings. Going back now to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 2. By this faith you're saved. You're reborn from above. You are spiritually transformed, renewed, and, listen now, set apart for his purpose. It's no longer about my three best friends, me, myself, and I know. It's about the purposes of God for my life and for your life as this transformation begins. It isn't just meeting him, but it's his spirit dwelling in us that transforms us, the scriptures that renew our mind, and we're set apart to be led by his spirit for his preordained purposes for that plan he has for your life and for my life. And how does that happen? Well, it says, if we hold firmly to the word which was preached. Unless, of course, you believed at first without effect and all for nothing. Or you believed in vain, just superficially and without complete commitment. You know, God demands our loyalty. Our loyalty is God and his son alone. To no other person, to no group, to no organization, to no employer, but to the Lord Jesus Christ and his father, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To, to them alone, those three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, do we give our commitment and our loyalty and the wholeness and fullness of our hearts, our mind, our soul, and our strength. But what is this faith? Well, John 3, 15 and 16 make it clear. It says, whoever believes in him, who is that? Jesus Christ, should not perish, should not die, should not live eternally without God. No, whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. 
Why? Because God, who is love, God, who is a spirit, so loved the world that he did something about the world's sinful problem, the problem of sin. He gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God, verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Isn't that the good news? Of course it is. That one can be set free from sin, delivered from darkness, and translated and transformed into the kingdom of God's dear Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, going back to 1 Corinthians, chapter, first, <laughs> chapter 15, verse 3. Paul is again writing here. For I passed on to you, you Corinthians, first of all, of first importance, that which I had received and believed. He wasn't passing on theory. No, he was passing on something here that he had received, something he had believed, that Jesus Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for our sins, in accordance with what the Scriptures foretold. He was trusting Scripture. He was believing Scripture. And it's really difficult at times these days when we're answering the question, what is the gospel, to make it clear for ourselves and others that it has to do in part with sin. It's God's solution for the sin problem. But you know, here in the West, that's often a struggle because we see and hear constantly and continually this underlying idea that people are basically good. Well, people can do good, as far as other people might measure it, but the scriptures make it clear that everyone is a sinner. All have sinned. Therefore, all have a need for a deliverer, for a savior. And that's why Jesus came and died for our sins. In verse 4, Jesus was buried. This is part of what he believed. This is part of what he understood. This is part of what Paul shared, that Jesus, in fact, died, and he was buried. And he was bodily raised on the third day, again, according to what scriptures foretold. We can read in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. The relationship with God is healed, restored, better than new. And we have peace with God, and God's peace is upon us because of the Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and rules and reigns in our hearts, if we, like children, are trusting him and him alone. It goes on here, starting in verse 5, And also, Jesus appeared to Peter, and then the twelve. Later he showed himself to more than 500 brethren at one time, a majority of whom are still alive, but some have fallen asleep in death. Afterward he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. And last, last of all, he appeared to me also as to one prematurely and born dead. 
Listen now. It says that he appeared, he showed himself, he was seen by, and then he appeared to Paul also. And you're wondering, well, how do I see him? Well, we open the Bible, we open the Gospels, and we see Christ who did not his own will. No, he did the will of the Father. We can see him, and when we see him, we see the Father, and it's in the Scriptures. We're looking when we open the Bible for Jesus Christ, our Lord, the King, our Messiah. That's what we're looking for. And we can see him and he will show himself to us, the Holy Spirit, the teacher in us. Listen, he wants to reveal to you and he wants to reveal to me continually the wonders of the Lord Jesus Christ in whom are hidden all wisdom and knowledge from God. That's right. Eternal wisdom and eternal knowledge hidden in Christ and yet revealed to us through the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit. What wonderful good news. Paul goes on here in verse 9 to say, For I am the least worthy of the apostles, and, do, and am not fit or deserving to be called an apostle, because I once at one time fiercely wronged and pursued, molested and violently persecuted the church of God. I oppressed it. I was cruel and violent against it. But, what a wonderful word, but by the remarkable grace of God, this unmerited favor and blessing of God, I am what I am. And his grace, his ability, his strength, his power toward me was not without effect. It was not found to be wanting anything. It was not fruitless. It was not without result. God's grace in you and me wants to bear fruit, wants to bring results, beginning with that good news transformation on the inside of us, from the inside out. Paul goes on to say, I worked harder than all the apostles, listen now, though it was not really I, but the grace of God which was in me. So whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach. This is what you believed, what you adhered to, what you trusted in, and what you relied in with confidence. The good news is shared with word. The power of God is the gospel. The gospel is the power of God, and we need to understand what that gospel message is because it's something that is heard and received and believed. And what are the key elements? One, Christ died for our sins, which means we need to acknowledge from deep within our being, I am a sinner. I have a sin nature. I need to be rescued. Then we understand he was crucified for our sins, yours and mine. He was buried, but God raised him from the dead on the third day, and that we're justified through that which Christ has done and faith in him. And he wants to appear to us, not as a theoretical, a historical person only that we've heard about and read about, but he wants us to know him daily, intimately, and personally. We, he wants us to see him in Scripture objectively and subjectively receive all that he has accomplished, all that he desires to do, all that he desires to do through us. 
And when we, like Paul and others, proclaim the good news, listen to what Jesus says about those that we share with. Jesus, after he had prayed for his disciples, said, I don't pray for you alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's right. God is with us so that we can simply, lovingly, but boldly proclaim the truth of the gospel as Paul outlines it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. So that we all can be one as Christ and the Father are one. He will be in us so that we also can become one with the Father and Son and one with each other. Wow, amazing, amazing. We receive him by faith and enter into his sustaining, transforming grace. May the Lord bless you today as, as we've been here together at the kitchen table. May God speak to your heart and not only speak to you, but light a fire of the Holy Spirit, that fire of God deep within you that causes you to once again rejoice in your salvation, the joy of your salvation, and that with clarity and boldness, you will be able to answer the question, what is the gospel? the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom. God bless you today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with me. I look forward to the next time we meet. Good day.